What up, world? Pat's first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your first order. Today's episode is also the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, there's two ways to do it. Just tweet at me, at MikeGRich on Twitter. I will see your tweet and I will add it to the list. You can also wait for Monday mornings when around 9 a.m. Pacific time, I put out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet, you'll get in the show. If you're not a Twitter user, there is an email address. You can email me, LockedOnBlazersPod, that's LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Send me a note there and I will get your question or questions in the show. So that's how you get involved. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. This first question comes from Brian Johnson at RZD81 on Twitter who asks, What do you make of Dame saying he will sit under the proposed playoff format, saving himself if the team doesn't have a fair shot in the playoffs or a problem brewing with the team? Uh, I clarified this question a little bit with Brian on Twitter. I think this was confusion over some quotes taken out of context, but I will say in Brian's defense, the story didn't do a particularly good job of putting these quotes in context, so let me try to help. In an interview with Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes, Damian Lillard, Trailblazers point guard, captain, face of the franchise, said, and I quote, If we come back and they're just like, we're adding a few games to finish the regular season, and they're throwing us out there for meaningless games, and we don't have a true opportunity to get into the playoffs, I'm going to be with my team because I'm part of the team, but I'm I'm not going to be participating. I'm telling you that right now, and you can put that shit in there. Um... The story was amended, so instead of you can put that expletive in there, just it, they took out the expletive word, so I went ahead and put the expletive back in for my R-rated listeners. Dame also continued in this story with Yahoo Sports, saying, if we come back and I don't have an opportunity to make the playoffs, I will show up to work, I'll be at practice, I'll be with my team, I'm going to do all that, and I'm going to be sitting right on the bench during the games. If they come back and say it's something like a tournament play-in style between number 7 and number 12 seeds for playing for a playoff spots then I think that's perfect. So to answer your question, Brian, this is not Dame saying that he doesn't like the playoff format. He's basically saying if if the NBA comes back and says, cool, everybody plays four more games or five more games, you know, he if once the Blazers are basically mathematically eliminated, he's not going to play any more games and risk it. And maybe if the NBA only comes back for, you know, three or four more games and the math is really dicey, he won't play anyways because, you know, one win by the Grizzlies would eliminate the Blazers. One win by the Pelicans might eliminate the Blazers, in fact. So what Dame is saying is basically he is making his voice heard and saying, hello, NBA, do a play-in, do a play-in tournament. Do you hear me? It's Damian Lillard, local star, one of the best players in the NBA, and you should have a play-in tournament. He's using this um, this interview to kind of let the league hear his opinion. Uh, I don't think 
I don't think the Yahoo story did a very good job of explaining that and or putting it in context what Damian Lillard's quotes might mean. I think the quotes are really strong. The reporting is really good. You get Dame on the phone, you get him to say these things, you get a juicy headline, but I don't think the story did a very good job of kind of explaining this, what's, what's really being said here. Um, you had to do some reading in between the lines, but that's my own personal complaint. The point is that Dame is basically just telling the league, have a play-in tournament, don't make me come back, don't make any team in our situation, and particularly me, one of the stars of the league, come back and play games that don't matter and put, you know, us at risk both just health-wise um, amid a global pandemic and because playing basketball after a long time off is also could endanger your physical body and bones. So if Dame wants to come back, he wants to play real meaningful games. He wants to play in tournament. He wants the Blazers with their full complement of guys to have a real shot making the playoffs. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to just play out the string and play three or four more games. Okay, next question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks, Who has the better career, Nazir Little or the player the Blazers hypothetically draft at 14 in this year's draft? So, going through mock drafts, I I just wanted to look like some names that are likely there. So, the, the ones that I feel like are the most consistently, like, people I think the Blazers might draft and sort of in that range. I'm not someone who, wa- I watch a lot of Carolina basketball games. Like I saw, saw Nazir Little every minute of his college career, but I don't watch anyone else outside of Carolina. So the idea that I'm some sort of draft expert, which I think every NBA media person morphs into around draft time and I find incredibly corny and disingenuous, I will not do on this podcast. I don't watch college basketball. I can, I'm capable of reading a lot about it and learning about these guys, but I haven't seen these dudes play. In any case, I'm going to say that Nazir Little does end up a little bit better than the two guys I picked out of several mock drafts, Aaron Neesmith of Vanderbilt and or Sadiq Bey of Villanova. Both kind of the same. Neesmith might be a little more skilled than Naz is, but Sadiq Bey, from what I've read, seems like a pretty similar guy. He was in a, uh, he went to Villanova, a, a a school that has churned out pro prospects. Um, he's a, a long athlete that has some ways to grow skill-wise. Does that sound like Nazir Little? Certainly sounds like it to me. But if I just had to guess, um, I'll say Nas has a slightly better career because I think he already um, has settled into what he's going to be. Um, he's going to be a high energy forward, either like a complimentary starting power forward or an off the bench power forward. Like he's, his, he's, he has the benefit of a year in, he's already got his situation dialed. He's not going to be asked to do more than, I can't imagine if he's a blazer for for several seasons that he's really asked to do much more than that. Uh, I see him as a solid role player in the league and just throwing the darts at any random draft. The idea that any dude picked in the late lottery will end up being a solid role player in the league is relatively slim. I mean, just look at just look at any past drafts of people picked, say, like 11 to 14, and how many of those people sign a third contract in the league or even a second contract in the league. It's hard to stick. So just based on random chance and what I know about Nazir Little and what I've seen from him, what the Blazers, what I know the Blazers think about him, I'm going to say he has a better career than who they hypothetically drafted 14 and who I hypothetically have pegged uh, Aaron Neesmith and Sadiq Bey. Okay, next question comes from Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter who asks, what's more delicious, a peanut butter brownie or the time Zach Collins told Nikola Jokic to back the F up? Um, <laughs> well, a peanut butter brownie built bar is mighty delicious. It's also uh, low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. But there's nothing more fun than in any NBA player turning around right in someone's face, 
right in the way of the camera and swearing at one of their competitors. It is one of the things that really makes the NBA fun is when you are so close and they're not wearing helmets and all these things. And if when you there's there's so little beef in the league now, there's a lot of sort of maybe uh, internet beef, but there's so there's so little beef on the court these days that having a guy like Zach Collins swear openly at the competition is incredibly delicious. So I'll give him the nod, although a peanut butter brownie built bar is a great option for the health conscious among us if you're looking for a snack. Also, the best um, smack talk that and for my money that Collins has ever done is when he said "f you ho" to. Uh, to Clay Thompson for mostly no reason. Thompson kind of, they were running down the court and Zach Collins ran after him to say F you ho. Really an incredible moment. Um, One of the things that really has endeared Zach Collins to me over the years is that he is, as Damian Lillard once called him, a real a-hole. All right, second segment, we're going to come back and answer more of your questions. But first, as Logan alluded to, let's talk a little bit more about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. That's the trick. It's a delicious protein bar. If you've had other protein bars, this blows them out of the water. It's got a great soft and chewy texture. It's covered in 100% real chocolate and comes in 20 amazing flavors. Since I've been doing these ad reads, Bilt Bar has introduced four new flavors. How about that? New flavors like pineapple upside down cake, coconut pecan pie, peanut banana, blueberry lemon, And not only are these flavors delicious, but they're also good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. A much better option if you're reaching in the cupboard for a delicious snack. Reach for a Bilt Bar. And here's how you get your hands on one of them. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BiltBar.com. But wait, there's more. If you order by May 31st, it's the end of this week. You can get an extra $5 off your box. So that's $15 off total when you go to BillBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Check it out. All right. Let's keep it rolling on Mailbag Monday with more of your questions. This next one comes from Andy Patton at Andy Patton, S-E-A, as in Seattle, Washington, who asks... Keeping with the what-if theme, what if the Blazers had taken Kenneth Fareed instead of Nolan Smith in 2011? So this was a popular one. Kenneth Fareed was like, he was the hot name on the mock drafts. For people like me who kind of get into the NBA draft stuff late and, and read up on prospects and learn about them, you know, via the mock draft world and via blurbs and, 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 and talking to front office types and scout people around the NBA, I had heard of Kenneth Fareed as the high motor guy from a small college. And he was always mocked sort of in the Blazers' um, range. He was still on the board when they went. They got on the board, and instead they did a, like did Coach K a solid and drafted Nolan Smith, who was a very good college basketball player at Duke, but very obviously at the time not going to be a good pro. Uh, with, with all due respect, like I saw Nolan Smith play a ton of games. He went to Duke, so it means I saw him play a bunch against Carolina. And even then, I was watching more college basketball at the time. It was just it was obvious to me as a as a mostly a novice at this point or someone who <laughs> worked in high school sports that this dude was not a pro pl- basketball player. So then it was always always Nolan Smith, who was exceptionally bad as a Blazer, um, has turned into a, a really successful college basketball coach. So it worked out fine for old Nolan, but he was not a good NBA player, and he was always going to be compared against Kenneth Freed, who particularly early in his career looked like he was going to be really useful. Here's the thing though. The biggest what if fallout from draft from drafting 
Nolan Smith is that the Blazers still didn't have their point guard of the future. They were still in search of this player. They hadn't settled on anyone of the uh, for point guard of the future types on on this particular roster that Nolan Smith came into. They had Raymond Felton, who ended up being a, a nightmare. They played Jamal Crawford at point guard, who was absolutely not a point guard, and they had Armand Johnson, who was turned out not to be an NBA player, but someone who played hard off the bench and tweeted in all caps. But the biggest fallout is not that they were searching for this point guard. It's that if they had had a player maybe better quality than Nolan Smith, then there's a chance that 2012 doesn't lead to the total mutiny and and then the subsequent teardown of the roster. And that means that they don't trade Gerald Wallace to get Damian Lillard. I think that... All roads lead to Dame and that the Nolan Smith flub is what saved the franchise in a way because they didn't have a competent player and they were particularly bad and the team just did not gel and they had to blow it up. And if you get a more competent, a more NBA ready type player in that situation, perhaps things go a little bit differently. So while Nolan Smith was a total dud on the court, part of me wants to paint him as a savior of the franchise. Without Nolan's ineptitude and the Blazer roster that was terribly, terribly constructed, you don't have things fall apart like they did at the end of, in that winter of 2012, and the roster get torn down and you trade for Damian Lillard, trade for the pick that became Damian Lillard. So Nolan Smith uh, worked out better than Kenneth Freed. even if Kenneth Freed was a perfectly okay energy player who's really overrated on defense for most of his career. Okay, next question. Logan Gillis, at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks, look down the road five years, which current Blazers are still on the team's roster? So let's start with the two no-brainers. I think uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are both under contract through the end of the 2023-2024 season. By my math, that's five years out. Kind of depends on where you you start the start the clock. But I'm going to say that the 2020-2021 season is is next year. So that would be the beginning of of me starting the clock. So that would mean that the Blazers will have their backcourt under contract five years from now, uh, which is pretty amazing to think about. In that season, they will make. More than $86 million combined. It's a pretty good, pretty good deal. Pretty good deal for those two gentlemen. Who else will be there, though? I think that's the big question. I'm going to guess that certainly not everyone sticks around. Um, It's just the nature of the league and the contracts. So I'm going to say that Anthony Simons is a yes. The other young guys, I'll say Zach Collins is a no. Maybe he wants to spread his wings and play center, and Yusuf Nurkic gets in his way a little bit, but he's a restricted free agent, so he's certainly, he could be. I'm going to say Gary Trent Jr. is a no, and I'll say Nazir Little, who will be entering free agency prior to that year, is a yes. So I'm going to go with four dudes who are currently on the roster. Dame, CJ, Nurk, and Nas. Admittedly, this is an inexact science that maybe I could spend a little more energy and effort on. But Logan, you asked three questions for this podcast. They're all three getting in the show and they're not all three getting my full thoughtful energy. Okay, Logan, I appreciate you. But this, you know, this, this is what you get. Dame, CJ, Nurk, Nas. Okay, next question comes from David DeVreen at DJD squared 503 on Twitter, who asks, if you could choose any restaurant, bar or brewery to take over the Dr. Jack space next to the Moda Center, what would it be? And David gives a shout out to Cusina Cusina, RIP. Seriously. Okay, so what would I pick? I would probably pick the uh, Mexican food cart right by my house. 
Gonzalez Taqueria. I hope Gonzalez Taqueria expands to a uh, giant restaurant right by the Moda Center. But if we're being more realistic, um, I'll go with Checkerboard Pizza, which is the pizza place owned by Ken Forkish of Ken's Artisan Pizza. Uh, I would say a really good pizza place where you could get pizza by the slice and then beers from... I'll pick a few local breweries that would be on tap. Let's go Sasquatch Brewing and Ruse Brewing, my my two f- current favorite local Portland breweries. They, they would be on tap and you would get pizza by the slice, just simple, fo- simple, dependable food that you know you could walk up and get right by the arena, which I think is what they're really missing right now from uh, the guy behind Ken's Artisan Pizza. All right, third segment, we'll come back and close out the show with more of your questions. But first, I'll tell you all about Blinkist. It's hard to find time to sit down and read Learn more. We don't have free time. You can't read and work on personal development. But there's an incredible app that solves this problem. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways that need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses it down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist is super popular. It's already 12 million people who are using it right now. And it's because it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as the classic nonfiction books you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want, all for one low price. Here's how you get it. For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for you. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA. Start your free seven-day trial and you'll receive 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You still listen to Locked On Blazers, and we're still rolling. Mail Bag Monday. And look, Monday was a holiday, so this is actually getting published on Tuesday, but I have been very consistent with getting these out on Mondays, y'all, so give me a pass. We just didn't have enough questions because nobody was at their computers yesterday on Memorial Day, so we had to back it up a day, but we're still it's still Mailbag Monday. The branding hasn't changed, okay? I'm still here. Okay, enough of that. Let's let's get into more of your questions. This next one comes from Tommy Jameson at TJameson underscore Tommy on Twitter who asks, just listen to the LA pod. That's the LaMarcus, what if LaMarcus Aldridge stayed podcast that's in your feed. If you haven't listened to any of the what ifs, there's a bunch of good ones hanging out in there. Check them out. But Tommy asks, remind me again why they traded Nicholas Batum. Seems like they've been looking for a passing 3 and D wing ever since. Yeah, I think you were right and also wrong about this, Tommy. Nicholas Batum was a perfectly good player who fit perfectly with, who fit very well with the Dame Wes, Dame, Dame Lillard West Matthews trio. Like that was a really, really good perimeter trio. But, but Matthews mostly took on the tougher, more physical defensive assignments. Like when the Blazers played the big three heat, uh, Nick Batum would guard Dwayne Wade and Wes would guard LeBron James. So it wasn't like Nick was this shut down physical wing that I think the Blazers have been missing more on that in a second, but he was um, a valuable, useful piece. And then he he they trade him to uh, the Charlotte Hornets ahead of his contract expiring. He played out one year as a perfectly 
usable small forward and then he signed in the summer of 2016 a massive deal slightly less than the max but still just a huge deal that will that he has a player option for 27 million dollars for next season shout out to Nick Matum get that cash play boy however since that first year in Charlotte Batum has just been somewhere between like replacement level to bad the last two seasons he's been bad I think this year he was I think this season specifically, he was the worst contract in the NBA. He, 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 they just benched him. They started playing, giving him DNPs prior to that. They just, they couldn't coax him to be aggressive. His, if you look at his, um, it's just field goal attempts per year. He just started shooting less. He just started, you know, and as he was getting older and making more money, this is the time that you take over on a team that desperately needed more offensive players. And Batum instead faded and ended up, they just said, cool, we're going in another direction. Played young guys, young guys who are better than him over him. He ranked 128th out of 136 eligible shooting guards in ESPN's Real Plus Minus. Obviously that's imperfect, but I think it's like a good way to sort of, if you're, if you're in the bottom of the 136 you can't you're not faking the funk like if you're if you're say 35th maybe there's some things you do that don't that rpm doesn't like totally capture but if you're 128th out of 136 i think you're just bad um but here's here's the real catch oh my gracious three of the eight players that rate out worse than batum and rpm evan turner a blazer attempt to find a three and d wing gary trent jr and anthony simons simons is dead last in that metric yikes um Listen, I don't think Batum was the answer, but I think you are 100% correct that this is the player that they have been searching for. Giving Nick Batum a massive contract would have been a terrible plan for the Blazers in 2016, much worse than giving Myers Leonard $40 million that everyone was so upset about. Giving Nicholas Batum $100 million would have been an absolute nightmare. So I think they kind of dodged a bullet by just giving up, on, pulling the plug early on that one. Um, they w- they're in a better place now without it, but boy howdy. Do they miss that position? I think you're 100% correct about that, Tommy. Okay, next question. These are all kind of thematic for this final third segment, so we'll keep it rolling. Next one comes from Logan Gillis, at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks, if you could give Neil O'Shea truth serum and ask him one question, what would it be? I would ask him this. Do you think you can build a championship team around Damian Lillard? And under the truth serum, I'm assuming he'd have to answer that in not do you think it's possible, but do you think you will? Do you think you can? Do you think you are you are have the tools and the ability to do it? Because part of me thinks Neil would say no. He would say that he that the way the league is set up and the way that the Blazers roster works and the way that um, they've had to do things by being a small market team is that they can't build a team good enough to win a title that they can build a team good enough to be competitive and get into the Western Conference Finals, but that, that tier above that, that not one of the five or six best teams in the league, but one of the one or two best teams in the league, that, that he doesn't think they can actually get there. That's my hunch. I don't think um, if I had truth serum, though, I'd waste it on Neil, so it's not going to happen. Final question of the show encompasses both of the of the previous two questions and hopefully is a nice little coda for this episode this one comes from jason via gmail jason asks what do the blazers need to win a championship with damian load 
who on the roster needs to progress and in what way, what types of acquisitions, signings, trades, does the front office need to pull off, what areas of weakness need to be addressed to give Dame a realistic shot at a chip, and second question, how likely is it that the Blazers win a championship during Dame's career? Let's answer the second one first. It's pretty unlikely. Uh, There are, in my 30-plus years on Earth, over three decades, only 11 NBA teams have won titles. Mostly legacy teams win titles. The Bulls with Jordan, the Lakers with whoever they have, the Spurs with Tim Duncan for 17 seasons, the Heat, for whatever reason, seemingly every every few years, and, and then a handful of one-offs. Like the Mavericks and the Raptors. I guess the Pistons every 20 years also win a championship. But for the most part, there aren't the, the NBA, while it has parity and maybe who is kind of good, the teams that win championships tend to win a bunch in a row. I didn't mention either the Warriors or the Cavs in there, but um, they also are teams that win championships. The Cavs, a one-off cha- one-off title. Um, it's it's very unlikely that it's it's kind of very unlikely that any team in the Blazers' position, like a, any decent team with a superstar over the age of twenty-seven, wins a championship, right? Because the window is so small, and if you think the window is three years, it's probably a year and a half. If you think the window is five years, it's probably a year and a half. Like it's just it's it's always shorter than you think, right? Like it's it's that's just sort of the nature of of the league and the way health works out and luck and other teams and ping pong balls and all these things. But let's get back to your first question. What do the Blazers need to win a championship with Damian Lillard? Here's what they need. They need viable forwards. That's going to be your first step. I think Yusuf Nurkic is a really good pairing at center with him, but I think they need real people on in the front court to help him. And if you're going to hitch the wagon to CJ McCollum, which the Blazers have chosen to do, you you really need to prioritize length and defensive versatility on the wing. But we've seen when the Blazers do have that, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu were very good for the Blazers during the regular season. They they created the sort of baseline of of competency that the Blazers were going to be a 46 plus win team, you know, with them I think 44 might have been the low point, 41 that one uh, nightmare season before they traded for Nurk, but but you know they're like a mid forties to mid fifties win team with those two guys, right? Like you can you can guarantee a level of competency. They made multiple runs it, into the second round of the playoffs, a run to the Western Conference Finals with this group. But the best version of this team not only had that versatility on the wing, but it had other offensive pop. And I think that's maybe a thing that's kind of gotten lost in here is that the best version of this Blazer team, which we saw very very briefly until Yusuf Nurkic got hurt at the end of March last year, was that they had. Depth behind Damian Lillard in Steph or in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in Seth Curry. Depth on the wing behind uh, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu because they could play Evan Turner there. They could play Rodney Hood there, and those were really useful pieces. Um, they had depth up front with Ennis Cantor and Zach Collins backing up. Yusuf Nurkic, and a break-the-glass option in Myers Leonard. So one of the things that they need is they probably need 9 to 10 competent NBA players. You can't play 10 guys that often in the NBA. Like, 9 is a much easier rotation. And really, you want to have 8 really good players and a, and the sort of a 9-10 interchangeable part. So they need real depth. That's real functional depth. It is not the idea of depth, like what they had with Anthony Simons. It's real, live, productive NBA players. Uh, Seth Curry led the NBA in three-point shooting. They need that kind of of depth behind him. Um, the the types of deals they need to make are for 
They need to shore up probably three or four forward spots. And what they need is they need one of the young guys to pop. They need Zach Collins to not turn into what I think he will be as like a high-level, like functional starter, but they need him to maybe be that borderline star. Uh, It's hard to win in the league uh, without two true stars, but it is very possible. If you look at the Toronto Raptors, they had one absolute A-plus stud in Kawhi Leonard. But Kyle Lowry is maybe the greatest Raptor of all time. I'll just call him the greatest Raptor of all time with apologies to DeMar DeRozan and Vince Carter. But he's a, what he is, is a absolute, he is as good as you get as an A-. minus. He cannot be the best player on a championship team, but it's hard to get better than him as a, as a complimentary piece. He does so many little gritty things to help you win. But you saw him when paired with another A- minus in DeMar DeRozan, how much they look, how rough they were. So when you have a frontline star, you need that A minus. I think CJ McCollum is almost that. I think Nurk is almost that. That kind of checks the box. But the other thing that the that the Raptors had was just a shit ton of really good role players. Marcus Gasol, a, a former star, was just a, an absolute wonderful role player. Serge Ibaka, a wonderful option. Uh, Danny Green, one of the great role players of his generation, one of the great role players of the last 20 years, has just gone to places and helped them win games by being the seventh best player on every team he's played on, right? That's what they need. They need, they need real, they need that real depth and they need, they need an, they need, not only those A minuses to back up their A plus, but they need everyone else on that roster to be Bs and B pluses. You can't have any real holes. What the what I think that Raptors team as a model, and maybe even the uh, 2011 Mavericks team as a model, is they just didn't have any real holes. When you're putting Sean Marion and Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler in there, real just quality guys who aren't going to screw up, you you have a lot of options. You also need versatility to win uh, in the playoffs and to win a championship. You need types of players. If you go back to that 2011 Mavericks team, uh, Peja Stojakovic absolutely murdered the Lakers in the second round of the playoffs. Just killed them dead. It was fantastic. They had no answer for his shooting. And then when they got to the Western Conference Finals against a really athletic team in the Oklahoma City Thunder, Peja was unplayable. So they went another direction. Extend Sean Stevenson's minutes a little bit further. Lean on Jason Kidd and, and Jason Terry a little bit longer. You just have to bury, you got to bury Peja because he's not going to work. The Blazers need real versatility. I think that was something that showed up in that Denver Nuggets series was that they had some different options to throw at Nikola Jokic because when they tried Alfaruk Aminu on him, he got eaten alive. So eventually they settled on some combination of Cantor and Zach Collins, and that worked a lot better. You need real depth. So to answer your basic questions, here's what the Blazers need. They need better defenders on the wing, better rebounders on the wing, but guys that aren't total total zeros on offense. They need somewhat productive. They need to be somewhat productive or at least somewhat um, of a threat on offense. I, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu, for as much as I enjoyed their contributions when they got to the playoffs, no one treated them like a real threat. They need, they need, they need someone to fit that bill. Real offensive threats who are versatile, long defenders at the forward spots. And they probably need one of, one of the young guys to pop. Like I said, Zach Collins or, or Anthony Simons or Gary Trent Jr. They need to, while they're still on their rookie contracts, take a leap from you know, decent level role player to 
real close to frontline starter. It's pretty hard. It's a lot of things. I mean, I guess I, I, guess I listed a, a bunch of things that fall into the same category as versatile, rangy defenders. Every team is looking for that. But that's what the Blazers desperately need. I mean, this season was such a, a, a good example of how much they're missing help in the front court, um, how little depth they had behind uh, Damon CJ. There was a great stat from building from cleaning the glass, excuse me, uh, Ben Falk, who used to work for the Blazers and also the Philadelphia 76ers, that only one player in the league has been in the 90th percentile in on-off def- differential in each of the past four seasons. That player is Damian Lillard. Essentially, no player in the league has seen a more drastic decline from when he is on the court to when he is on the bench than Damian Lillard. That speaks to what I think has been some underwhelming regular seasons from C.J. McCollum and the lack of help that C.J.'s had when he's out there on his own and the Blazers' insistence for a brief period on sitting Damon C.J. at the same time. But really what it points to is the Blazers' real lack of depth. For four consecutive seasons during Dame's athletic prime, he's had the worst on-off differentials in the league or the most drastic on-off differentials in the league. What the Blazers need is a bunch of help. They need a roster full of dudes who can contribute. I think at one point this year, they had about six guys who were capable of playing. Two of them were 35-year-olds. The other one was Gary Trent Jr. They can get there because if you have Dame, you have a real-life building block. And I think CJ is a a valuable second piece. I'm probably lower on him than most. But to, to reach that championship level, the Blazers probably need six or seven new players to help the plan. That's how far away I think they are. You probably don't agree. A lot of people thought this team was going to win a championship at the beginning of this season. I was never that high on them. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I called them a team that could compete for a Western Conference final strip. And that was maybe a little too generous, right? So Jason, I hope that in some way answered your question. The Blazers are both a team that has the right type of things, a an absolute frontline stud to be a championship level contender, but it's a long way from surrounding him with the types of things that help him enough to win the Larry OB. That's going to do it for today's show. Tell your friends about this podcast. You can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.